Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet following the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBT community. Today, I'm talking with Ed Dixon, whose new play, Georgie, My Adventures with George Rose, recently opened in New York City to rave reviews. The Huffington Post declared, Georgie is a masterpiece. Broadway World called it a giddy, humorous, and moving celebration. And the Today Show said, they have got such a huge hit on their hands, baby, run. Do not walk to see this. It's truly one of the most brilliant performances I've ever seen a man give on the stage. Get ready for Ed Dixon. This is The Randy Report. Welcome to the show, folks. I'm so excited. We're going to talk with the fabulous Ed Dixon, and I don't use that term loosely. A few years ago, I got to interview Ed when he released his memoir, Secrets of a Life on Stage and Off. Ed is a veteran of so many Broadway shows, it'll take a while to list them. But here we go. Anything Goes, Mary Poppins, Sunday in the Park with George, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Gore Vidal's The Best Man, The Iceman Cometh, the Scarlet Pimpernel, Cyrano the Musical, Les Miserables, The Three Musketeers, King of Schnorrers, Leonard Bernstein's Mass, and No No Nanette. Not only that, he's also a writer and a composer. His writing has garnered a Drama Desk nomination, a Dramalog Award, two Dean's List Awards, a Leon Rabin Award, the New York Music Theater Festival Prize and Audience Award, as well as a Steinberg Grant. He's recently opened his one-man show, Georgie, My Adventures with George Rose, in New York City's Off-Broadway to rave reviews. Rave reviews, Randy? I want to hear a few of those. Well, I happen to have them. DC Metro Theater Art says, His ability to catch the essence of the celebrated artists who populate his play is uncanny, and I recommend this lovely piece of work to all who have loved for the theater and for the artists who consistently enrich our lives. George Rose was one of those, and Ed Dixon has brought him back to us with the good ear and the mastery of a craft he's been honing for over 40 years. The New York Times wrote, Charming. Mr. Dixon delivers enjoyable impersonations of Catherine Hepburn, Noel Coward, Richard Burton, not to mention Rose himself, brought to life in song, dance, and witticism. Broadway Stars writes, Great fun, especially for theater enthusiasts who, like Dixon, can't get enough backstage lore. If you fit the profile, you'll find that with a little bit of luck, you'll be able to get a ticket to the intimate Davenport Loft. I loved my interview with Ed a few years ago. It was what we used to call a rollicking good time. It was everything I could do not to fanboy out when I was taught, oh please, who am I kidding? Of course I fanboyed out. I think he's fabulous, and so does the entire New York theater community. Why should we even wait? Let's now talk to Ed Dixon. Oh, thank you, Randy. I I so enjoyed our last chat, and I'm so excited about this, and what an exciting time this is. Holy cow. Well, it is, and I have to tell you, I was doing research in advance of this, and the reviews for this <laughs> show, you must just be over the moon. I mean, it's and it's well-deserved. I know it is. It's so exciting, but I, it's tempered by the fact that 
doing this every day <laughs> is so daunting. And it's just you. Yes, I, and I, I play, I don't know, 35 characters. It's 90 minutes, and on Saturday, I do it twice, and then I come back for a matinee on Sunday. I, I spent the whole day Monday in bed until the show, and the whole day Tuesday in bed until the show. Let's talk a bit about how this started. Okay, you knew George Rose when you were very young. How young were you when you first met George? I, I was about 20. I joined a, a tour that was already in rehearsal for a, a giant tour of the student prince that was supposed to come back to the Winter Garden Theater on Broadway. Lehman Engel, the king of operetta, had put this together, although, you know, the age of operetta was long dead. <laughs> this was the early, early 1970s. But I was so thrilled to have the job. I joined it at the last minute because I was replacing someone. And George Rose arrived even later than I did because he was starring in Sleuth on Broadway and the contract was ending just before we went out on the road. So I arrived, and then George arrived right after me, and I was just, I had heard that he was the greatest character actor in the world, but I was a kid, and I didn't really know what that meant, and I certainly didn't know anything about his career, but I knew that when he walked in the door, I'd never seen anything like it. <laughs> he was the most amazing talent and had the most amazing ability to create improvised moments or to depart from the script and somehow weave new jokes or new ideas into it on a daily basis. In fact, I heard that he had it in his, his contract that he could say anything he wanted in the show. <laughs> he, he was playing the role of Lutz, which is it's a throwback to the old vaudeville days where you would hire a clown to play the role of Lutz, and then he would bring whatever his kind of shtick was to the operetta. Well, that was George's job. And it was so magical what he was bringing that it actually overshadowed the entire performance. <laughs> it, it wasn't really about the student prince. It was about Lutz. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You know, my only experience, God bless, I only got to see him once on Broadway in Edwin Drood, for which he won a Tony Award. And there's yeah. very much an aspect of that. And now that I look back and I listen to you explain this kind of, this talent of improvising, and there was an aspect of that in Edwin Drood. So I have to wonder, how much did I see that, that the audience, the, the cast had to wonder every day, oh, what is he going to do now? Well, let me tell you, we were good friends by that point. And he would call me up and say, do you have any jokes for me? And I would I, I have a huge Rolodex of jokes in my head. So I would supply jokes, just not, I'm barely believing it, that I knew he would be inserting them into the show. Well, I went to see the show several times. And once when I was seeing it, he suddenly departed from the script and threw in the last joke that I'd given him on the phone. And then he pointed at me in the audience because he'd gotten me the seats. He knew exactly where I was. <laughs> but let me tell you something absolutely amazing that I saw him do one of the times I saw it. He came out and he threw in, you know, he was playing the MC so he could do whatever he wanted. So he threw in this little corny, rotten joke. And the audience groaned. So he said, oh, you didn't like that. Well, what do you think this? So he told an even worse joke. Now it got a huge groan. And he goes, oh, you didn't like that either. Well, what do you think of this? And he told an even worse joke, at which point the groan turned into this gigantic rolling laugh. <laughs> and I just sat there with, 
you took three crap jokes and turned it into the biggest rolling laugh in the show. <laughs> how brilliant is that, though, that he knew how to make that land? Yeah. And that's awesome. Well, that's just amazing. I talk about in the play a great deal his capacity to break through the fourth wall. He was so fearless. He would just start dealing directly with the audience, you know, which is what I... I'm trying to accomplish in the play as well. It's it's quite challenging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're playing a small theater, so they're very close to me. Yes, there's not like there's some distance. <laughs> no, there's no distance. And so any condition that they're in, they bring it to the theater and they become the other character mm-hmm. in the play. So, you know, sometimes you've got someone sitting in the back in the front row who's had a bad day and they bring that and it's right there in the middle of my performance or the other night a couple looked like they had just gotten off the bus from new jersey were making out in the front row there they are in my play (laughs) in a small off-broadway theater Yes, yes. <laughs> um, you know, it's always that that dynamic is always funny to me. You know, I did Chicago the Musical on Broadway and and everywhere else, and and we would sit in those chairs so often, and we would check out the audience because you know sometimes I just wanted to see what was going on out there, and I yeah. wasn't. And I always wanted to say to people at some point, you know, we can see you. <laughs> this isn't television. Okay. I, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but when I was doing Here Lies Jenny with BB Newark, we were playing the. Which was a tiny off-Broadway house, and a very, very famous opera singer came and sat in the second row. And she had a new boyfriend, and she made out with him in front of me and TV New oh, <laughs> in the <Wow>. second row. <laughs> I love that. I, that just kills yeah. me. Now you don't just invoke the the idea of George in this play. You you play many many famous people, don't you? I, I play at least 35 people. And Catherine Hepburn makes an appearance, Noel Coward. Catherine Hepburn, Noel Coward, Richard Burton, John Gielgud, Laurence Olivier, Ralph Richardson, Edith Evans. <laughs> and are these all uh, their thoughts on, on George? Is, is this them commenting or remembering? Or George loved to pepper conversation with stories about famous people that he'd worked with, and he wouldn't even bother to put them in parentheses. He, he would just be talking along, and suddenly, you know, he'd become, Lord, he'd become no coward. And then he'd just flip back into conversation. So <laughs> you, you never knew whether you were going to be getting some fantastic joke or a poem or, or uh, an anecdote just in the course of conversation. When we spoke before about your awesome book that I just love, I was, I was so excited to interview at the time. And when we spoke, we talked for a while, and I, I'm going to reference this by going to the beginning of your rave review in the Huffington Post, which begins, In recent years, Ed Dixon, actor, writer, composer, has delivered two of the most wrenching literary stomach punches I've ever received. Punch one with his autobiographical memoir, Secrets of a Life on Stage and Off, which I read a few years ago, and punch two with his incandescent performance in his play Georgie, which just opened at the Loft at the Davenport Theater. In both cases, the punch was swift, unpredicted, and straight to the gut. Now, I'm going to leave that right where it is. I'm going to let you share a little bit, or what you feel is fair, 
for the listening audience because I don't want to give things away, but I take it as I've, I've been following the journey of this play that we have an awesome, rollicking, fun time learning more and yeah. more and more about George. And then you share a story that takes a turn. And I don't know how yeah. much you want to say. Right. I, I had a, an, a radio interview the other day where the interviewer gave away much too much information about the end. You know, in many aspects, this is like a, a murder mystery. And if you give, if you say the butler did it in the in the opening volley, you sort of messed up the play. <laughs> the, the play takes place in three parts. In the first part, I talk about how we met and the tour of the student prince and how we became friends. In the second part, I talk about the part of his career which I witnessed and how I interacted with him during that. And actually, two astounding things happened during that part. He agreed to appear in a small off-Broadway show that I'd written as a guest performer when he was already a huge star. It was an extraordinary thing for him to offer to do. And then he wanted to rework his voice for Dance a Little Closer, the last musical that uh, Alan J. Lerner wrote. And he came to study voice with me. So here was this man who I had idolized for more than a decade suddenly coming to study voice with me. It was an extraordinary experience. So that's all in the second part. And then after we'd become quite close friends, he invited me down to the Dominican Republic where he had a house. So I felt as if Noel Coward was inviting me to Firefly, his yes. Caribbean <laughs> retreat. It was a, I, the most exciting thing imaginable. This famous actor inviting me to come visit him in the Dominican Republic in his newly purchased house on the ocean. So it was very exciting. But when I got down there, a number of things happened. This was many years ago. It was 30 years ago. And the Dominican Republic was a very different place. And the part of the island where he lived was like a banana republic with people carrying around machetes and automatic rifles and the local police kind of running roughshod over who, in fact, we got kidnapped at one point. Oh, oh, it was kidnapped. very dramatic and very frightening. <laughs> and, and I met some nefarious people that he was involved with. In fact, we went to the circus together. I used to have a picture of us all at the circus. And I told him that I thought he was in a very dangerous situation. And he said, oh, no, dear boy, no, 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 that'd fine. And I came back to the United States, and he was murdered. So I've been sitting on this story for 30 years, but I have a great deal of inside information that I learned during my stay in the Dominican Republic. And after sitting on it for 30 years, I thought, well, you know, I think enough time has passed that I can talk about this. And I've certainly had time to digest it all. Of course, I've done the play three times now. I got to do it at the Sharon Playhouse in Connecticut, and then Eric Schaefer got involved. So I went down and did a complete production at the Signature Theater in D.C., and now he's mounted it with me in New York at the Davenport Theater. So I've really gotten a chance to digest the subject matter. But it's quite, the, the last third of the play is quite difficult for me, and it's a big surprise to the audience for an hour. It's just these delightful stories with famous people and jokes and delicious situations. The reason why I, I want to men I mentioned your book is, and I'm not going to give away what happens, because when I read your book, 
I had been following you on Facebook, and and I thought, ooh, I want to be his friend. He's fabulous, and everyone knows him, <laughs> and and you literally know everyone in New York in New York theater circles. So I ordered the book, and I was so excited. And I I giggled through through the book, and I got to one page, and you know which one it is. And then suddenly, uh, I can share now because it is part of the the public record that you shared in in devastating detail a terrible drug addiction which you overcame to great renown at this point and and you've gone your your career has flourished even even more but i remember when i read that in the huffington post i went gut punch for sure and so no i mean i i almost had i think i put the book down when i read the first page of that chapter and when i yeah. <laughs> i i famously remember in my in my ear when we were chatting and, and we're, we were laughing so hard and i said and then we get to page and i i want to say at the time i knew what page it was 76 or something and we both paused and you said well do you want to go or should i and <laughs> and it was because it was so momentous it's had such an impact and i say all this because it's the way you write and the way you take the audience down the rabbit hole with you and it's it's so powerful and i i imagine uh, i should mention for the audience that you've written other plays and musicals and two of them i want to say are murder mysteries or have something to do that they're whodunit the musical and cloak and dagger are, are is yeah. there a similar and with mysteries you have to have this ability as a writer to take people down that journey because a big part of the success of the evening, I would imagine, is that you, you surprise the audience. Yeah. And so when you were writing, Georgie, did, is it something that evolved out of the writing that you suddenly went, oh, this, this needs to be a surprise? Well, no, I mean, it's the way it happened to me. Okay. I had, no, I had known George for 20 years before I went to the Dominican Republic. So I tried to congeal those first 20 years into the first hour. So for an hour, my desire is that the audience has the experience, which I had, of being intoxicated by this magical theater personality. And then at a certain point, something terrible happens. And I, I want it to be experienced the way I experienced it, as a complete surprise. The death-defying part of this piece is that I'm really talking directly to the audience almost all the time. It's really, it, it, it's harder than anything. I, I mean, it's even harder than a club act, because in a club act, there's a certain distance that, that the music yeah, provides. You, you can fall and, back and, into and the that. Band. Yes, yes. And you can just go off into the world of music. But in this play, I'm literally telling total strangers, this unbelievably intimate story. And I see everything. I see what kind of day they're having. I see what their marriages are like. <laughs> wow. It's really, yeah, it's really something. And as, as the last third unfolds, do their faces, what are their faces like? Is you, do you, do you well, there's, even there's see Well, there's or... audible response. Is there really? There's gasps and sighs and tears. I mean, it's really something as an actor and as a storyteller to know the power of what is it's it, how it's affecting people and that well yes and you know it's just me in a chair yeah <laughs> yeah. The, yeah i love the 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 press pictures do you have the the ropes and the the fly system behind you yes yes that that, that was eric schaefer's idea and when he first told me i really didn't get it I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I just wanted it to be a blank space so that the audience's imagination could run wild. But, I, you know, 
look, I'm not wearing all the hats here. So I was, and he's my dear friend, and he's a wonderful designer and wonderful creator. You know, he's a wonderful artist. He's a yeah. fabulous painter. Oh, I didn't and know that. It was his idea. Yes, his whole house is filled with original artwork that's just out of this world. I should say houses. <laughs> his houses are filled. Yeah. I didn't get it when I first heard it. But the things that people tell me, I can't see that Chris Lee did the lights, and the lighting is apparently out of this world. And what he manages to paint on those ropes and the darkness is apparently out of this world. Well, I was so taken by the, the Huffington Post describes it saying, you know, you obviously get the sense of backstage in the theater, and we, we understand that metaphor. The critic at Huffington Post wrote, as the play descends into hell, the ropes seem to morph into a multitude of snakes surrounding and engulfing the stage. Was, wasn't that fantastic? How awesome <laughs> is that? And now, had you ever thought about that? I mean, but to, no, not at but all. But what a wonderful because, thing you know, that, yeah. I'm looking at the audience and to the darkness the whole time doing right. word painting. Oh, by the way, there was a blind man on the front row the other night, and I kept thinking, you know, this Pope play is word painting. I'm creating all the imagery in words. And I kept thinking, what is this man getting from this? This must be such a unique experience for him. And at the end of the play, with no permission from anyone, he just leapt out of his seat, just applauding wildly. <laughs> and I reached out and grabbed his hand because he was right there. And he started kissing my hand. I mean, come on. How awesome is that? And now, yeah. one other story that you, you shared on Facebook about three Those teenagers. Those three young men, in, 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 they were so young, and they just looked so out of place. Mm -hmm. And I, I just kept wondering, what the hell did they make of it? And they, one of them looked uh, angry, one of them looked frightened, and one of them looked bored all through the play. And I kept checking back with them periodically, and they never altered in their mm -hmm. demeanors. And I kept thinking, what has brought you here? Why, <laughs> why, why are you here? And what are you getting from this? And then about 70 minutes in, I ask a rhetorical question, and one of the kids answered it. It just blurted out as if he hadn't intended to say the answer. And I made eye contact with him and shared this moment with him. And I went, my God, he's completely caught up in the play. Who could have dreamed? How awesome. And then, and then as they're exiting, the, the house manager noticed them because they, 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 they stuck out. They, we don't get unescorted kids at the show. And they were all jabbering about what a great time they'd had. And congratulations on that. Uh, that has got to feel like something momentous in and of itself because obviously you, you want to affect the audience and you, you kind of know who your audience is to a degree. But, but teenagers who probably don't yeah. know who George is, they do now. Oh, of course not. And, no, course and how not. awesome is that? But I also was intently where they didn't know who any of the references <laughs> were. They probably didn't know who Catherine Hepburn was. Right. I mean, you know. But there they were in it with you. A 16-year-old. Yeah. And yeah. they were in it right there with you. Yeah, amazing. That is theater. It truly is. I read all the reviews, and I, I've, I've been researching this, and, and I've been seeing people share it on Facebook, the reviews, and it's just magnificent how this has been received. And I'm so excited for you that this has happened. Um, it's certainly not your first taste of success. You've had a, a, a wonderful, awesome career, but I think it was the Huffington Post that ended saying something to, to the effect that 
you know, you've done fabulous things before, but but this is just taking everything to a new height in terms of writing and performance. So I just I'm so thrilled for you. I can't tell you. Well, if I if I made the last line of that something I'll never forget, it says, "But Georgie is a masterpiece." That's I it. Mean, that's, that's the that's the kind of thing <laughs> you really want someone to say. And the other favorite thing that somebody said in Please. reference to the performance is that my performance of George is not so much an impersonation as a spiritual embodiment, which is the thing that I would most hope. There are moments when I so feel the presence of George, and in the last moments of the play, I talk about an event where George actually appeared to me while I was doing one of his famous roles in such a visceral way, I'll just never get over it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I just, I'm so thrilled for you. I want everyone to go see this play. I have to tell you, I, I have to plan a trip to New York now before April, is it April 15th? 15th, yes. You could be extended? Yes. That, that is a definite possibility, and I, I know for a fact that my producers want very much to do a national tour of repertory theaters, and we very much want to go to London and to Edinburgh. So I, I, we have very high hopes for what the next year or two will contain. How for exciting for you, Ed. How fabulous. Just Honestly, I can't say congratulations yeah. enough. I hope as you're in this, and I know it's... <laughs> It's, it's a lot of work on those two show days and everything and following, yeah. but I hope that you're enjoying it. I hope that you can be in the moment. Well, let me tell you, the opening night of Georgie, the party was at Sardi's. Oh. Now, I've been in show business since 1968, and none of the Broadway shows, I think there have been 15 of them, have had opening night parties at Sardi's. And I finally had an opening night mm -hmm. at Sardi's, and it was my play. You can't imagine what that was like for me after all these years just fantastic just i because i when you've lived in in these circles and and i've been lucky enough to be on broadway but not nearly to the degree that you have and, and to know what these things mean because they they do come to mean something to us and yeah just the idea of you walking through the door at sardis this this <laughs> magical iconic well, place to us all let me tell you i i was walking there and a big sign for Georgie popped up on the bus stop as I passed. Then I get to Sardi's, and the window poster is Georgie in the, in the front of Sardi's. Then I get inside, and the maitre d' says, oh, wait here, Mr. Dixon. And he had me hold there until they were ready upstairs. I come up the stairs. There's a giant picture of me and a giant picture of George. And I turn the corner, and the entire restaurant bursts into applause. I mean, come on. Oh, my God. Just so well-deserved. So, I mean, God bless. I love it. I love it. I will be coming to New York. I will. I, I cannot miss this. I've had so many of my friends. Leroy Reams just squealed about it. Everybody I'm talking to. Everybody. Oh, he was at that, that opening. That was <laughs> another wonderful thing. <laughs> I'm standing there looking around thinking, when I arrived in New York, this is where Lauren Bacall was hanging out. This is where Frank Sinatra was hanging out. And now I'm having my party here. <laughs> Just wow. Wow. I mean, yes. truly living the dream, it would seem to me. Yes. Just how awesome. Yes. 
Ed, thank you so much for having time to chat. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited for you, If you, in case you can't tell. I just keep repeating myself because I'm so excited. <laughs> thank I really you, am. I just, thank you. And everybody is so excited to be a little bit of, of the insider and understand where this all comes from and that you brought this to life so beautifully. I'm, I'm thrilled for you. So thank you for having time to chat. I'm going to tell everyone to go see it before April thank 15th you, because we thank want to you. sell out and then extend you is what we want to do. Yes. So. Yes, that is exactly what we want, Randy. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, I hope to talk to you again soon, Randy. I know I mentioned a few of the reviews earlier, but I should add just a few more. Theater Scene wrote, Theatrical storytelling at its highest level, one character to another delivering incisive impersonations and well-timed punchlines. Times Square Chronicle wrote, Dixon is a master storyteller and writer who keeps our attention to the fullest. Theater Pizzazz wrote, Riveting, riotous, and revealing. And finally, Curtain Up raved, Dixon's performance captivates you from start to finish. So, dear listeners, your path is clear. You have to go see Ed Dixon in Georgie, My Adventures with George Rose at the Loft at the Davenport Theater on West 45th Street between 8th and 9th Avenue in New York City before April 15th. Thanks to Ed for having time to chat today, and thank you for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to The Randy Report on iTunes or blogtalkradio.com so that you never miss a single episode. And you can find me every single day on the Internet following the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBT community. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>